welcome to Between Us Leaders. This is a place where we talk about leading with wisdom and godly devotion. I'm your host, Terry Herndon, and today we continue our series, This Is My Story, with our special guest, my co-worker, my boss, and mostly my friend, Leanna Sheely. Welcome, Leanna. Thank you. I'm really glad you're here. I am too. <laughs> so to, if you may know Leanna um, personally, or if you don't, if you have been to district council, you have seen her. She is on the floor or on the platform um, during the business meetings. She sits to the side, the right or the left? Depends on where, which view you're at. Okay, that's yeah, true. But to the right. To the right of my husband, Jay. Mm-hmm. Um, you're taking minutes and all the important things that all the words that everybody says and all that good stuff. So you probably have seen Leanna, even if you are not sure you have met her personally. So Leanna's story is really quite amazing. Um, I really (laughs) kind of got to know you once we came to the district office and a lot of things we shared in common and a lot of things are very different in our life story. And I am just fascinated by your story. So Leanna, welcome to Between Us Leaders. (laughs) and share your story. Share my story. Um, Well, my story goes back several generations. Um, I come from a long line of Assemblies of God ministers. Um, I'm actually fifth generation uh, credentialed minister with the Assemblies of God. That is so awesome. Uh, Fourth generation female credentialed minister with the Assemblies. Yahoo. (laughs) That's really amazing. (laughs) Um, I do have two first district superintendents in my family line. Uh, my great-great-grandfather was the first district superintendent of Minnesota. Oh, no way. Um, and then I have a great-great-uncle that was the first district superintendent um, in one of the Dakotas. Sorry, don't remember which one. Um, so yeah, my, my family history goes even back before the assemblies, but... Wow. Um, so... Uh, All that to say, I was uh, raised in a pastor's home. Um, My dad went into the ministry when I was about three years old, um, primarily starting off in youth ministry and then children's ministry. Um, We moved very frequently um, the first probably seven or eight years of my life. And then all in Northern Cal, Nevada, or primarily, um, I was, I think when I was about three or four, one of their first ministry positions was actually in Oregon, Springfield, Oregon, but they were there for less than a year. (laughs) Um, my brother was born and was very sick and, uh, didn't ever, he could never adapt to the climate. Oh, okay. So they moved back to California, but, um, yeah, primarily it's all been Northern California. Um, and then when I was probably in about first grade, um, my dad went through a really hurtful ministry uh, situation. Mm-hmm. And um, looking back on that, it, there's so many things that you learn in that even as a first grader. Um, for six months, my parents didn't go to church on Sundays or Wednesdays. They would take my brother and I to church and drop us off. and. We would listen to the Sunday evening services. Well, we'd listen to Sunday. So wait, they would drop you off at church at and church, they would leave. And they would okay. leave, yeah. Um, and then they would pick up on tape. <laughs> mm. uh, shows my age. But yeah, they would pick up on tape the Sunday morning service. And then Sunday nights, we would listen to it in our living room as a family. Mm. And that was church for six months. And at the church that they were that they had left or just a different? It was a different church. A different church, mm-hmm. okay. 
Um, but just being in church in general was yeah yeah um they had grown up at bethel temple capital christian center and so when they went through this season we made capital christian center our home okay. church again so after six months of this dropping my brother and i off um i finally asked why is it that wes and i have to go to church and you guys don't <laughs> which really kind of convicted my parents. Mm. Um, and they realized that they had allowed a man to dictate their relationship with Christ. Mm. And so it's something that we always openly talked about and I think has always stuck with my brother and I is, um, it's just really important never to let the way somebody treats you or um, a person come between your relationship with Christ. Yeah. And so I think that learning that at an early age was really important for my brother and I because it kept us pretty well grounded in understanding relationship with Christ. Mm. Um, and then from then, when they started coming to church, they got involved on a volunteer basis at Capital Christian Center and got involved in the children's ministry. And we're talking about Capital Christian Center, Sacramento. Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my mom began teaching missionettes and my dad would teach Royal Rangers and on Sundays they would teach kids choir and um, it became really a family thing ministry became a family thing um, we probably did three musicals a year plus the singing Christmas tree and if one person wanted to be in it then all four of us did, it. <laughs> so. did you have a family vote or was it just a <laughs> No, not necessarily. It was, you know, I was raised where if the church doors are open, you're in church. And so in a, in a similar fashion, it was kind of that way with ministry too. Um, so yeah, my brother was raised up in Rangers. I was raised up in Missionettes, um, became an honor star the same year. My mom went through the whole program as well and mm -hmm. she became an honor Esther. So we were honored the same year. Um, but I think too, that also created that love of ministry for both Wes and I. And so he and I both felt called to ministry at a fairly young age. And um, I think mom and dad established that really well. And I know that in a lot of people my age that were raised in church, they viewed ministry as dad's thing. Hmm. Um, what makes us different, I don't know, other than I'm just really grateful that I had parents that included Wes and I so we could see the love of ministry and the joy that comes from that. Did you ever feel odd about that? Like your awareness of that um, some people, some kids would feel like that that was their parents thing. Did you ever feel odd that ministry was a family that it was a family thing or did there was that that was just life and that's just what you did it was just life and it was normal for us it was, yeah. it was just the way yeah it was the culture i guess that mom and dad raised us in i didn't know any different until later okay you know as you start meeting kids in their teens or in their you know older young adult years that now have some anger or resentment that's when you start to realize okay what made it different for us yeah okay what was different about this um and so, yeah, I was talking about ministry. You know, I felt that call really early on, not really sure what that was supposed to be or what that looked like. Um, and when I was 19 years old, um, I, went to, I went to a DC Talk concert and I was so moved by the end of the concert because they had an altar call 
And I saw this response of teenagers just going to the altars, mm-hmm. responding to this altar call mm-hmm. for relationship with Jesus. And there was something in that moment that just got my attention. And, you know, I mentioned earlier that we did a lot of Christmas productions or productions throughout the year. Mm-hmm. So um, always loved to sing, would sing in church. Always knew I was never meant to be that person on the stage. But, but you also, can sing. I've heard you. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I was I knew I was gifted in regards to, like, administrative things and functions um, and felt pretty confident in that. And so I just kind of got this idea of, okay, maybe I'm not meant to be the person on the stage, but maybe I could be the person that helps get people there mm. um, because those people are important too. Yes. Um and they all play a part in reaching someone um, for Christ. So I felt this call to Christian music, but I wasn't really sure what to do with that. And um, Gail Dorsett, um, okay. back yes. then, Gail Elrod, yes. uh, was working at the district office and she was volunteering with um, an organization, Celebration Concerts, who produced all of, most of the Christian concerts um, throughout California, Nevada, and Arizona. Okay. And she'd been volunteering for a couple of years. And so when I was talking to her, she asked if I would be interested in maybe, um, well, the first thing she did was actually invite me to another DC Talk concert <laughs> where um, I bought tickets and sat in the very last row. Um, my brother and I went and then she- On went, purpose or that was just the tickets you got? Um, well, it was a little bit of both. Uh, <laughs> there wasn't very many tickets left because it was okay. like a last minute purchase. Yeah. Um, it was also the cheapest tickets. And since I'd already paid to go to the previous one. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. But okay. she had told me if I made it to the show, she would get me back so I can meet John Robertson, the producer of Celebration Concerts. So we bought these tickets and she did. She got my brother and I backstage. Um, we got to meet the three guys from DC Talk. I have a picture in my office. Nice. And um, and I got to meet John Robertson. And the next thing I knew, I was taking the after show pizza order for the band and the tour buses and um, got to meet their, their manager. And it just was a really fun experience. But that was um, my initial introduction to what things were like behind the scenes. Mm. And then Gail just um, made arrangements for me to be able to volunteer at shows. And then that summer, John, he was looking for someone to do data entry and get all of their mailing list updated. And so he hired me to come in during the summer and work on their mailing list. And that's how I got to know him a little bit better. And then it was just later that year that he called me and said that his executive administrative assistant had just resigned and asked if I would come in for an interview. And at that point, I had done some research and um, I was looking at moving out to Nashville, Tennessee to go to Belmont University. They were the only school in the nation at that time that offered a degree in music business. Oh, okay. And so I was seriously contemplating that and um, I went in and I interviewed with John and his wife, Jolene. And in that interview, I told him what my plan was. And he said, well, why would you want to do that when I'm offering you a job where I'm going to pay you, I'm going to teach you everything they can possibly teach you, (laughs) 
And this is in a business that it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. And I'm gonna be making those introductions for you. And at 19, like, what do you say to that? Um, but I just instantly in my spirit, I knew that the answer was yes. Like I knew that's where I was meant to be. Mm. And so I said, yes. And the day I started the receptionist quit and it literally was John, Jolene and I sitting there and, um, they didn't really know any of the programs that were on the computers. (laughs) And so we learned together. And within three months, they had me doing graphic design and laying out their newsletters. And that first year, we produced over 60 shows, um, including, if anyone remembers, but um, we also used to do Christian Music Day at Great America Mm -hmm. twice a year. Um, So yeah, it just, that was a very exciting time. I was probably at them. Probably. (laughs) I would have been in the box office. Um, yeah, that just, it was a really fun season. And I remember sometime in that first year, the three of us were sitting there at lunch and I had turned to John and said, um, have you ever considered doing a Christian music festival here in Northern California? And before he could even answer, his wife told him, don't you even think about it. And, uh, so we just kind of left that off the table, but a couple of years later, there was um, some families that had been volunteering with our shows and had become part of our family, um, sat around and started talking about Christian music festivals. And so um, I don't remember how long I had been there when we started planning the uh, first Spirit West Coast Music mm-hmm. Festival. <laughs> so, um, but I'm, I can't even express what that was like to be a part of being a part of the founding group of that. Um, I was a part of the first seven years uh, as a full-time employee, um, the first seven years of the festival. And um, the last year I was there was uh, the year they had 20,000 people in attendance. And working for Celebration Concerts and Spirit West Coast was incredibly eye-opening for me. I remember standing on a stage once looking out and for the first time in my life, having been raised within the Assemblies of God, I'm looking out and it just hit me like, you don't know who's Presbyterian, who's Catholic, Mm. who's Lutheran, who's anything. It's the body of Christ. And that so moved me Mm. and opened my eyes and it opened my world. Mm. Um, Because sometimes we can get so focused on just um, the world that we're in. Yeah we tend to forget the body of Christ is so much greater. Yeah. And so I loved that. Um, and gosh, that last festival, 20,000 people. Did you know at that last festival that that was your last festival? No, no. Mm. So while I was at celebration concerts, um, I did meet, um, well, actually, uh, I got married during that time. I, I met my husband before that. Um, but dated a few years and we got married and I, he and I both had dreams and ambitions and, um, a call on our lives. Uh, we had started managing a band on our own Christian music band that came out of Bethany. Um, and this is where our worlds collided, right? (laughs) (laughs) Cause some of those band members came out of our church, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
so good old nifty tom 50 <laughs> um and in that process we launched a record label uh which was really fun we sent that band on two summer tours across the nation i kind of felt like i was the mom to eight college students um because you were i was <laughs> yeah they would ask for money or they'd show up for meals but um it was just that was just a really fun time for us and um so yeah you know we got married and um I don't know. Life just happens. Um, in fact, recently I told someone, uh, never question your obedience because of someone else's disobedience. Ooh. And um, I, I'm not saying that I was obedient in marrying him. I'm not sure he was really the man God intended for me. Um, I think to a certain extent, I kind of prayed my will uh, a bit till the point where God just said, you know what, you're going to do what you're going to do. Mm. So I did. Um, I <laughs> I got married a year and a half into the marriage. Um, my husband started having an affair, mm-hmm. and um, we kind of spent three months in counseling trying to work through that. And it did come to an end. And then for six months, things seemed to be going okay. And then things kind of went sideways a little bit. But I went back into my denial and not wanting to really acknowledge or deal with anything. So. It was two weeks after our third wedding anniversary that I found out he'd been having um, one night stands quite frequently Mm. um, for those last six months. And so we separated. And through the course of that, I'm getting really sick. Um, And it it was kind of ironic because I would go into the doctor and I'd give them all of my illness issues. And um, they would tell me it was all stress related and you needed to get rid of the stress in your life. And I would look at them and say, how do you do that when you're married to it? Mm. Um, And that's not an option. So being raised as a pastor's kid and in a Christian home, like divorce wasn't an option for me. And I felt like I just had to continue to to put the fight in, Um, whatever that looked like, counseling, I was calling and, and meeting with church pastors and Um, all sorts of stuff. But um, yeah, after that uh, second week after a third wedding anniversary, he took off and I just knew like it was pretty much done. Like I didn't feel a complete release, but I did feel like this was, he wasn't going to change. In fact, when confronted, he basically said he knew there was things in his past that would be really hard to deal with. And it was easier for him to live like this Mm. than to deal with his past. That's sad. Yeah. Sad. It's sad on all, all fronts. Yeah. But I know that a lot of people live in that, that place of fear, Mm -hmm. um, which is incredibly sad. Yeah. So, um, I'm continuing to get sick, sicker and sicker. Um, and then, Uh, my mom came and I ended up going to a doctor that kind of referred me to a couple specialists and um, very long story short um, I ended up going through some treatments um, for ulcerative colitis which is ulcers in the colon and I had a very adverse reaction to that and I went into septic shock and um, ended up in ICU for three days the hospital for a week And it was during that time um, 
I, I really felt like the Lord just say to me, your life is worth more to me than this and mm. it's okay. Mm. So that was the release moment for you. That was the release moment for me. Um, and there was just real clarity at that point. I, I knew, I knew I needed to go home and have a conversation with, um, with John and Jolene about my job. I knew that God was asking me to move home, um, to get well, get back on my feet. Um, I knew that, uh, we were meant to file bankruptcy, um, in the midst of the divorce. Um, my ex-husband had racked up many credit cards, um, with flowers and dinners out and all kinds of crazy stuff that I were not for you, not for me. (laughs) No. Um, so yeah, I went home and I sat down with him and told him that I was filing for divorce and moving to Sacramento. Uh, at the time we were living in San Jose and that, um, we were going to file bankruptcy. Um, and what confirmed the bankruptcy side of that was after having a conversation with John and Jolene asking, I was hoping and praying and it was like the one thing that I was praying God would not take from me. Um, because that was my call, right? I mean, that was, that was everything to me. And so I, I told them that I felt like I needed to move home and, uh, get well. And I asked if I could telecommute, but that didn't really work for them in what they were doing. They're getting ready to launch another Spirit West Coast down in Southern California. Mm. And so, yeah, I literally just gave it all to the Lord and he, he took it all. Um, and I don't say that in a real negative way. I just, he, he did what he needed to do to strip me, to get me to the place where I needed to be. And so that's ended up, that's how I ended up here in Sacramento. Um, moved in with mom and dad. My parents had worked at the district for many years and pastor Cole was district superintendent at the time. And he had known me since I was a kid <laughs> and he was so loving and caring and generous. And, um, so he, uh, brother Braddy and brother hopping got together. They, uh, gave me some temporary work for about a year. Um, well, I just was working on the healing process. Now your mom was working at the district office at that, mm-hmm. at that point, correct? And yes. your dad? Yes. As well. So my mom started working at the district office when I was 15. Um, and then, and my dad started there about six or eight months later. Yeah. Um, and it was in that first year, or actually it was within six months after moving home that my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, and so we started walking that journey as well. And that's also when I realized God didn't necessarily move me home for me. He moved mm-hmm. me home for her. Um, and I'm so grateful for that. She and I did not have the best of relationships growing up. Mm-hmm. And uh, that time with her while she was walking through her journey allowed us to become extremely close, um, best of friends, and just, he did a miracle in that relationship. So yeah, so I did temp work for about a year. And then one day, uh, Brother Hopping calls me into his office and says, hey, Leanna, I have a permanent position for you. If you're interested, you got 30 minutes to decide. (laughs) No pressure. No pressure. (laughs) Um, No pressure. And I had, uh, it was the properties office which I had no experience in. Um, but there was just, again, like that little spark in my heart that just said, yes. Mm -hmm. And so I said, I don't know anything about this, but okay. Like, 
we'll do this. And, uh, you know, I took some classes to kind of through the community college um, to kind of learn. And I, I kind of fumbled my way and had great resources. I had many people that came alongside that really helped me even outside this office that were amazing. And I said yes to that. Um, and then, yeah, seven and a half years into that, my mom passed away. And she and I had talked, we kind of knew at some point they would want me to take that position. And she and I had talked and we both had decided that that wasn't for me. Um, but the, no, that position, not, cause not everybody listening okay. knows what that position sure. was. So she was the legal recording secretary. Um, she had taken Judy Hopping's place after she had retired. And, um, and then as the properties position, I was able to kind of support her as she was going through her illness. So if there was meetings she was missing or whatever, I could sit in and take the minutes for those. So I had filled in for her on occasion, but she knew the stress level to that job and the responsibilities yeah. um, to that job. And um, it was just something that neither of us really thought or saw me in. But after she passed, I just really felt like the Lord was showing me there was really no right or wrong answer in yes or no. Um, I could stay where I was and that would be okay, mm. but I'd have to watch somebody else try and fill my mom's shoes. Mm. Or I could do that and then be able to help kind of get better management on a desk that I was trying to manage that was overwhelming. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I stepped into my mom's desk. Um, and now I've been there longer than she was. That's crazy to think about. Right? Yeah. yeah it's been nine and a half years since she's passed away. Wow. Um, so, and then about, well, when Pastor Brett was elected, um, there was kind of a shift in the office and in that um, I just wasn't really sure what ministry was for me anymore. And that's nothing to do with him. It was more to do with me. Mm -hmm. And um, so I went away for a week to pray just to see, am I really meant to stay here? Am I meant to go do something else? I just didn't really know where I belonged. And uh, I came back from that week away and I had gotten a call from a woman at the church I was attending. She was kind of like a spiritual uh, prayer mother, um, intercessor for, for, especially for my mom and I during mm -hmm. my mom's cancer. And she asked me if I would meet um, with evangelist Dean Johnson and see if there was ways that I could help him with his ministry. Um, and so I met with the two of them and it was just like this instant connection and I, you know, again, I just knew like this was a yes for me. Mm. And so I've been working with Dean, um, it, who launched Uncommon Experience. We do a weekly encounter service, um, does school assembly programs. Um, we now have a Bible school that we now teach and so have, proud of you about <laughs> thank you, and have 10 students in. So that's kind of where I'm at today. And your students yes. are products, if I can, is that yes. the right word to say products of the fruit? The fruit. Yeah, that's a nice, that's a nice <laughs> uh, Fruit of uncommon. Yes. And so it's a, yeah. Yeah, we've got a couple corner. of former gang members and um, we have one that was instantly delivered from daily use of cocaine addiction. Um, it's just been really amazing to see to see God at work mm -hmm. um, and the power of, of his presence in people's lives. Yeah. 
So your calling is to the lost. My calling is to the lost. Yeah. 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 Always has been. In fact, my dad would tell me when I was three, he had a bus ministry and I would wake him up at like four in the morning on Sundays to go get the kid. <laughs> so, oh, that's so cute. One day when I had asked him, I go, what do you think? I mean, who would have thought I would be in a ministry like this? And he goes, Leanna, I wouldn't, I wouldn't see you in anything else. Mm. But he goes, that calling's been on your life since you were three. Mm. So, yeah. And just recently, recently-ish, you lost your dad as well. I did. Yeah, about a year and a half ago. Kind of suddenly. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, you know, I spent eight and a half years taking care of my mom with cancer. And nine months before she passed, he started having heart problems. And so it was another eight and a half years of, of going through caretaking with dad and his heart problems. And um, so, yeah, it's a new weird season in my life. Um, I think that's probably been the hardest thing is just not having that person to be able to share your ministry wins with that celebrated you. Um, you are single in ministry. You I'm are an ordained minister. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, never remarried. Um, just, yeah. Yeah. Recently ordained. Yeah. Yeah. Recently licensed. Well, the battlefield. You got the battlefield ordination, the 2020 battlefield, One of which I feel is very appropriate for you, <laughs> right? Comes through my life. Speaks speaks of your life, right? <laughs> yes. yes, yes. So, Leanna, our podcast is leading with wisdom and godly devotion. So, what does wisdom? When you look at your life story, uh, this portion of it, wisdom says what? The call is eternal. Mm. Um, We're all called. Every one of us is called to lost and broken people. Yeah. I mean, that's ministry. Um, But the vehicle is not. So for me, I thought Christian music was it for me. Mm. And then when that got taken from me, I didn't know who I was anymore or what that was to look like. And um, so, yeah, over these last 18 or 19 years since that kind of got put to the side a little bit. Um, I've learned that the vehicle is different. It can change. Um, Which as, I think is something that we all can relate to because how often we are in in a vehicle of ministry that we feel like that's it. And then if we lose that for whatever reason, then we can feel so lost. Yeah. Um, but the that is only a vehicle. But it you're is. right, the call does not change. No, and sometimes we can get stuck in that vehicle. Mm-hmm. So when it gets taken from us, we can think that's that was it. That, yeah. that was the only one. Um, you know, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, God's used me in every position I've held here at the office. Mm-hmm. And then when he opened this door for me um, through Victory for Youth and Uncommon, um, it's it's completely different, but it's it's the call is the same. It hasn't changed. And so through that, I've learned that just say yes to the things that are the kingdom. Mm. Um, sometimes we can overthink or over spiritualize or overanalyze or process, or we pray about things. But if that initial sparks there and you know, it's of the spirit, just say yes, mm. because sometimes we miss things from the kingdom. If we, we hesitate. Yeah. Um, you know, and I just, I, I live by, and I, I hold on to that verse, Matthew six thirty three, 
Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, mm. and then all these things shall be added unto you. Awesome. So, well, on that, we're going to end. <laughs> and Leanna, I'm going to ask if you would pray uh, just a, sh- a, a short prayer for those that are in a position that are feeling like their vehicle, you know, through 2020, so many vehicles closed. Yeah. Um, and if they're trying to find their way, trying to find that means, you know, and re-entering our world again, um, that the Lord would direct them. Okay, thank you. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this opportunity. I thank you, Lord, that our story is your story. Mm -hmm. And I thank you that you can use all things. And um, Lord, I just pray for those that are in a season right now where they're kind of questioning or wondering, Lord, what you have next for them or Maybe they're even mourning the loss of a ministry mm-hmm. or something that was um, they felt was of you and called of you, and, and now it's gone, and they don't know what to do, Lord. I just pray that you will continue to fill that void, Lord, that you will continue to give direction, and that they will be sensitive to your spirit. So when they feel that little spark that comes only from you, that they will know it's time to say yes and step yes. into what's new and exciting and fresh. Yes. And Lord, I just pray that you will um, just remind us all to keep you first, um, to never put anything above you as our priority, um, that you are first in all things, knowing that you take care of everything else. You are in the details, you know the details, and Lord, may we trust you with the details. In your precious name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining with us, Leanna, and sharing your story with us. That was powerful. Mm -hmm. And thank you, listeners, for also joining us. And until next time, I wish you God's presence and his blessing and his peace upon your life. God bless you, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.